Welcome to Watershed's March podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove, Head of Programme here at Watershed. This month sees the start of Filmic, our festival exploring the creative connections across film and music. It runs between St George's, who will be hosting music events with such luminaries as Philip Glass, and here at Watershed, we will be hosting film seasons and talks. This month sees a focus on Bristol-based musician and producer John Parrish. John is probably most well-known for his collaborations with PJ Harvey. However, less well-known are his scores to films and the influence film music has had on his creativity. What follows then is an interview with John in his studio. John, I'd just like to start. I'm quite interested in how creative people discover certain kind of areas and are influenced by it. I just wonder, going back, what's your first sort of earliest recollection of watching a film and saying, oh, that music um, really is interesting and really stands out? Well, probably the first things I was aware of when I started thinking, oh, I really like that bit of music, would be some of the James Bond films, some of John Barry's themes for that. Just and, was, and was that that distinctive intro that everybody uh, knows? The intro, of course, yeah. Like, like you know, you, how can you not? be affected by that it's, it's such a classic you know everybody picks up a guitar you yeah. want to play that riff because it's just the coolest thing yeah. I used to be able to go and see like a double bill of sort of you know You Only Live Twice and Goldfinger and and I kind of noticed how the music really affected how I was um, watching the film you are excited when there's when everything kind of starts building up and and the way John Barry would put those scores together I mean obviously I didn't didn't dissect them at the time but uh, for for me, I just I just liked them. I just thought, wow, that that that's cool. But uh, I didn't think of film music as as a kind of a separate thing. You know, to me, it was. All, you didn't go. I, I didn't think didn't... of film music. I suppose yeah. that to me, a film, the film, the music was all one thing. Yeah. You know, so I didn't. You didn't rush out and buy the soundtrack, for example. Or... No, it would never have occurred to me to do that. It was only after going around to somebody's house one day and, and seeing that they had a whole stack of soundtrack albums. Mm. And I, and I did think, oh, well, that's strange. You could, you can actually buy the music from these mm. films and just listen to them as a piece of music. I, I, I had no idea that you could even do that. Mm. Was that something that you started doing and you started thinking about how the music was actually working as a piece of music in itself? I didn't, and, and to, to a certain extent, I still don't like to um, deconstruct things if I'm not working on them, because if I, for me, like a great piece of music or a great film is a sort of a magical experience, really. I just watch it and listen to it, and it either gets me or it doesn't. And if it gets me, I don't need to know why it's working for me. I just, I just go with it, and that's mm-hmm. fine. It's only if I'm working on something that, that I might think... Or I might want to go back to revisit something and think, mm. what? Why is that working? You know, what? What is, is it about that piece of music or the, that music and that image that works really well mm. together? You know, is it where the music started? Is it the instrumentation? You know, that? and I guess it wasn't until I started doing few film music myself that I started to really think about why certain things worked mm. and certain things don't work. Um, when you've been asked to do work with a film director, is that something in your when you approach the score, that you go and, and watch films again and that you've been been influenced you or inspired you, that you go and watch them and think about how the music's I mean, that, that was exactly what I did the first time I got asked to score a movie. It's funny because I'd already thought of my music as quite cinematic, mm. the sort of things I was writing. It, it wasn't like a, a surprise to me when a film director approached me. It, you know, right. I, I was very, very pleased because I, I, it was something that I'd wanted to do and had no idea how to um, go about getting into being a film composer. So when somebody came to me, I thought, oh, yeah, that, that's great. That would, that's, that's what I was... 
hoping it would You weren't daunted by the challenge? I wasn't really daunted, no. I was was probably because I didn't know what it was going to involve (laughs) at that time. I suppose, I mean, in the sense that in your day job, as it were, you're, you're a musician, you're playing music, and you're working with other musicians. If you're producing them, you're working with other musicians. There's no visuals involved no, in it. But it's what you're being asked with, is you've got to be working to pictures that have been made. Yeah, but that's the interesting thing about a lot of the film music that I've done, it, it, is that the music has been written entirely independently from the visuals. The way things have worked out for me is there are many of the kind of main themes that I might introduce to a film I could, could have written without watching any of the pictures. It's just, yeah. I, may, maybe I just read the script and thought about the story, thought about the characters, or maybe I saw a a still of maybe some of the actors or, or the locations. Yeah, so, so it's even before there's any, yeah, any, yeah, any, often any I, moving pictures that have been made, it's, it's at the script stage, for yeah, example. For, for me, I, I might write some of the main themes then. And the, the stuff that you write to picture tends to be the more atmospheric mm. stuff that you're filling in that's not so theme-based. It's really mm. more about setting, you know, the, there's a thing like that, and I think, OK, what kind of atmosphere do I want to, to help here? You know, do I want to support this atmosphere? Do I want to do something that rubs against it to mm. make some... Mm-hmm. sort of tension and uh, it's not always necessary for me to have to see the thing you know t- to me they kind of come side by yeah. side and I think sometimes the director maybe likes a piece of music mm-hmm. then maybe they have that in mind when they're certainly when they're cutting you know cutting a scene together but, but possibly even when they're mm-hmm. shooting it if I've written something beforehand they right. might think okay that that music really suits this character so I'm going to so, so they could have the music at the actually at the shooting stage. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Certainly, in at least one of the films I've done, they wanted you know two or three pieces before mm. shooting because they wanted to shoot to to the music. Right. One yeah. of the, one of the films that um, we're screening as part of the season that we're doing around you is Sister, Lucy right. Meyer um, film, the most recent one that you've scored. Were you working at that early stage? With um, she'd already shot the film by the time she came to me. So you were then responding to an edit of the film? Yeah, and yeah. in some ways that was good because you know exactly where you are, so you know kind of, OK, I need a piece of music that fits over this block of film, so it has to be this long. And mm. But sometimes that, that kind of reins you in a little mm. as well. I don't know, especially, I mean, I know like every film composer moans about directors using temp scores you know there's always a temp score if you get a finished movie and that's slightly frustrating because you're bound to be influenced by what what's there i mean funnily enough on ursula's temp score was it was pretty much all my music (laughs) anyway so so at least we were in the right ballpark yeah yeah. but uh, but it was still even then it's slightly frustrating because you immediately you're hearing something and it puts even if it's something that you wrote then you're kind of thinking and you have to step back and try and divorce that scene from that piece of music To, to start again, yeah. but Urs- Ursula was was great. Because she was very clear about right. what she wanted, you know, and not not to the extent that she could say, "I want this sound at such and such a time." But if I gave her, you know, I would send something, and she'd mm. either say yes or no, very very clearly. It, it was obvious to her. Mm. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. No, that's not right. I don't know what it is. Mm. Maybe it needs more of that or whatever. Mm. Or maybe she would say, "I don't know what's wrong with it, but it's not working. Give me another option." But she was very. You're just very clear about things, yeah. so it was, it was, it was fine. Yeah. Um, you, you've selected four films that were screening, which is Clute, Barely of an Architect, Midnight Cowboy and Once Upon a Time in the West. Just talk us through those films and what it is about the music that's particularly inspiring for you. I mean, they've all got quite different music, I think. So 
there's a Morricone one and a John Barry one who are the two big heroes of film music. But interestingly, with Midnight Cowboy, the John Barry, I mean, I, I always associate it with the Harry Nielsen right, a uh, lot of tra- people, track. A lot of people I do, completely but, forget yeah. that... But for, for me, it was the harmonica, the, you know, the, the main Midnight Cowboy theme that's yeah. so... I think that's such... I mean, that was another piece of music that I loved when I first saw the film, before I knew much about film music. Mm. It really stood out, and I yeah. remember always thinking, wow, I love that piece of music, I'd love to... Yeah. And there's something so moving about that theme mm. that, that I've... Uh, that I, I know it's been a strong influence on the way I write movies, because I'm still very much kind of quite old school about I like I like I like there to be a theme sometimes right. to a movie. I mean sometimes it doesn't work and so often the themes are really corny and horrible and it yeah. really ruins a movie. Mm-hmm. But if there's a really great theme, there's something about that that strength of music and image together mm-hmm. that, that that really works for me. And of course the the theme Midnight Cowboy harmonica theme and then also Once Upon a Time in the West of course. Uh, yeah. And, and okay, yeah. It's a really good instrument for films actually. I mean right. I, I, I use it as well. Because of, is it because of, there's a sort of plaintive haunting Yeah, it's a very human sound, isn't it? Yeah. You know, because you've got the because breath. The breath. Right. And and also it you can do those really long notes and with, with a film you don't have to have much there sometimes mm. for a piece, you know, you know it's not like maybe you can just put in a few long harmonica notes that if you just listen to on a record mm. would sound well, so, yeah, so what? Yeah. So what? But, it, but with the right imagery yeah. to it, it well, can be amazing. And, and that's the thing with Once Upon a Time in the West is epic scale cinematography, yeah. um, landscapes, faces, and this harmonica that's drifting in, in, in through it. Yeah. What's great about the relationship between Morricone and Leone and that, that is, is the way they leave so much space for each other. It's um, For me, if I had to pick one perfect marriage of film and music, mm. it would probably be that one. I think it just... For me, they're so supportive of each mm. other. It, it's very hard, though, though I can't. I do listen to the score by itself. You know, you know, it's very hard to, for me to listen to that score and not have, see have those the images. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I, you couldn't possibly imagine that movie with another score, with a different yeah. type of music to yeah. it. Clue and um, Bell of an Architect, another two films in the season. I mean, slightly more avant-garde music that I feel is kind of going on there. It's a very claustrophobic film. And it's a very disturbing film as mm. well. And it's a very simple score in some way. You know, it's just a lot of piano stuff. Mm. Like, and it really captures for me the claustrophobia and, and the unease of the film, mm. the tension. And it's very... Um, it puts you on edge. Mm. The movie is great and all the performances in it are fantastic. But the, the music, it, it's just... It's not, it's not something that you could really particularly remember afterwards and I didn't remember it for no no I mean Clute's not a film that you, you would say oh music oh you know, great say, music in, in the same way that you'd say Bernard Herrmann Hitchcock or anything yeah. you wouldn't think about it but watching it again I mean it's so that was, that was, it was almost the second or third time I saw the movie mm. and I, I tell you what it was it was because I was watching on a plane and I had headphones on and so I became really aware of all the sounds of the movie yeah. and there's so much going on there not just in the music but in the general and the sound of the mm. movie that it's obviously adding to that tension and unease, and it just made me think. Wow, the who it was Michael Small, I think, mm, Michael it? Small, did, yeah. did, did the yeah. music. Um, you know, just such a good job because it is. In some ways, it's very hard to do a brilliant invisible score. I was going to say it's, it's, it's the invisibility of it. Actually, yeah. you talk, as you see, you never think about Clue in terms of its score. But yet the score is absolutely it's vital it's, in terms it's totally of its vital. It must be. It must be quite. I think you must have a very, be very much um, 
in control of your ego to, <laughs> to, able, to accept yeah. I'm going to write a really brilliant score and nobody's going to notice it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. and, and with Bailey Van Architect, um, which is Wim's Merton. Wim Merton's and, and Glenn Branker. And Glenn Branker, two, two, two of course, different yeah. composers, like, yeah. doing different, different parts of the film. Peter Greenway's films were much more known for for the music. I mean, generally for Michael Nyman's music. Yeah, so yeah. it's a bit unusual actually. Really. To um, because I, I was again with you, when you're picking these films, looking back on, I thought, oh yeah, Peter Greenway, Michael Nyman. Yeah, and, and here it's oh, it's not Michael yeah, Nyman actually. That, that's what, yeah, because, uh, but the, and the thing is, it could have been a Michael Nyman score because it's obviously very influenced by mm. that style. But there's something about the electronicness of the Vin Merton's mm. score that. Um, and I don't even know if he used electronic instruments to record it, but it's, it has that sound to me. It sounds right. oddly artificial in a way that the, the movie looks, has that look. There's mm. always, I mean, it's a very stylized movie and a very stylized score, and I think the two things go together very well. Mm. But, but I, I also think there's a couple of fantastic melodies on that, that score, really brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and it's... Nice to see Glenn Branker involved in something like that as well, because mm. I don't know if he's done any other movies. Or... I'd, I'd be interested to find out, but I don't see that he has, so it's really I, I, quite I don't, interesting I don't, don't to... know of yeah. any, but it's sort of like that... Again, he's got a good way with an unsettling sound, and there's mm. something about that kind of buzzing sound that he gets mm. with a lot of guitars that really sort of, you know, just makes you feel slightly uneasy. Mm. And I think, it, yeah, it just, it just works very well in that mm. movie. Great. You're in the process of releasing an album of your own soundtracks and scores to yeah, yeah. Uh, called um, Screenplay. I'm just quite interested from what you said earlier on that you didn't you know, go out and buy uh, you didn't go out and buy soundtracks <laughs> yeah, to film. It's going to be a big seller. And here, yeah, yes. and here, here you are. Yeah. That so you are actually divorcing it from the visuals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I put out a couple of original soundtrack albums before two movies, but yeah. they were very much things that I couldn't imagine that somebody would buy without having seen the film, because mm. to me they did seem very much connected, and which is fine, you know, which is absolutely fine. But I realised that over the last few years, or the last couple, two or three years, I'd done quite a lot of film music and hadn't released anything, and there was quite a lot of stuff kicking around, and then the idea of doing some shows, you know, with, with mm. filming came up, and I thought, OK, it would be good to have, you know, something, something out to, to coincide, and... And then I sort of talked to a couple of people and mm. somebody was saying, oh, you know, I'll do a series of releases, we'll put them all out, that mm. would be great. I was thinking, you know what, I wonder if I could find something that would work more as an album, that you wouldn't, so, so you wouldn't have had to have seen the films mm. to appreciate. So I kind of went through, and it's, it's mainly drawn from Sister and from Patrice Toy's new film, Little Black Spiders, mm -hmm. and a previous film I'd done of Patrice called Nowhere Man. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a couple of things from, you know, from other movies, maybe something from a short film that, you know, I would never work yeah. as a soundtrack so, album. So, so it's not a soundtrack of the... It's actually you pull together some it, of the uh, work that you've yeah, done. Yeah, everything's from a movie. Mm. I mean, maybe not in the version that, that I've used mm. for the record, because often, you, you know, I might record two or three versions of a piece of music for a film, you know, different arrangements, mm. and maybe I'll use half of one in that scene and then a third of, a, of, you know, whereas obviously here I've used whole recordings mm. of specific mm. pieces because as I say I wanted it to feel like an album that you could listen to mm. and, and uh, appreciate without having to have seen the films When you are going to perform live and you've got a number of dates that you're doing you, you will have visuals as well as part yeah, of that? Yeah, for, from the films I mean we, we won't be playing like the music to the scene or yeah. whatever. it won't be like a, a representation or a recreation of what happens in the film and the images will be being mixed live by um, filmmaker Gavin Bush while we're mm. performing. 
but I've, I've said to him, you know, you've got free range to, to use and manipulate the images as you want, but when we're playing a song or a piece from Sister, yeah. I'd like the images yeah. to be from that film. I don't yeah. mind whereabouts in the film yeah, they are, whether yeah. it's on a loop or yeah. even a still or whatever, yeah. I just want it to be from yeah, that film. Yeah. When we move to another movie, I want you to go with me, but, yeah. you know, after that, you know, yeah. you, you're carte blanche. It's really interesting because it's like the the music's been made in response to the film, right? And now, and the, now it's the, the, yeah. the, the <laughs> you, yeah. you reassert the privacy <laughs> of the music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, excellent, smart. Yeah. Composer's revenge. <laughs> you can see films selected by John at our Sunday brunch slot throughout March. That's all for this month.